0: was recorded during Church Outdoors on the 19th of June 2022. Um, any ambient sounds like the birds singing and the wind blowing in the trees, we hope, adds to the experience. Thank you guys so much for having me. It uh, it really is awesome to see some familiar faces over the years. I've been asked to uh, come and fill the pulpit here and uh, to see some new faces, to see uh, Cornerstone uh, just becoming a growing vibrant community of Jesus followers so uh, very excited to be here uh, this morning and um, I do I do have one thing that one one bone that I would like to pick with uh, with Dan uh, and since he's not here I'll just uh, I'll just voice that with you guys so it's my understanding that you guys you guys have been preaching out of the lectionary right um, so you know the lectionary that's that's set up for, for quite some time in advance. And uh, when, when Dan gave me uh, the passage that we're about to do today, I know for a fact that Dan was, was looking ahead, because he's a planner, he was looking ahead and he saw this passage coming and he said, No way. I am out of here. I've got to get as far away from this place as possible. And so he's in Wales. <laughs> um, uh, no, so uh, it, it, just just to give you just to give you an idea of where we're going here, I've decided to title this uh, this sermon uh, "Demon Pigs in the Kingdom of God." Okay, so that's where we're going. We got some we got some really tough stuff to deal with in Scripture here. And there's some of you maybe you've grown up in church and uh, you hear that title and you're like, okay, I know where we're going. Um, And then there's some of you that have grown up in church and you're like, I have no idea what he's talking about. And there's some of you that have not come to church at all and you're like, how do I leave? (laughs) Um, And uh, often we come to points in scripture that are difficult to deal with. Uh, And that's one of the things that's really awesome about going through the lectionary is that you are kind of forced uh, to be put in uh, places. Oh, perfect! Yeah. Um, so you're you're forced. You're put in places where you you have to address certain passages. And so uh, you know, as much as when Dan initially gave me this passage, I was like, "Come on, man. really? The guest speaker?" Um, and uh, as much as as much as that was my reaction, it gave me an opportunity to unpack some scripture that I really hadn't taken a lot of time to do. Sometimes what we do is we, we see something difficult in scripture and we go, "Yeah, I couldn't have been that. Let's just keep going. Let's get to the good stuff. And we we end up missing. We end up missing an opportunity to sit in some very questionable things. Um, and often it's in our questions that we bring to scripture. that that we meet God, that we have an opportunity to encounter God. And and so, um, I want to encourage you. uh, Today, I'm not really coming with all of the answers, um, but I am coming with a few suggestions, I am coming with a few questions that we can be asking ourselves as we look at this particular passage. So, without further ado, let's just, let's read through this and hopefully you guys will get... Uh, the picture as to why I was a little hesitant when we got uh, this passage. So we're going to read it in its entirety. Um, This is Luke 8, uh, 20... Oh, goodness, I actually didn't put the reference in my notes. 26, I believe. Let's just... We got a Bible here. Let's look it up. Luke 8... 26 all the way through to 39 okay Luke 8 26 to 39 I did print it out on my notes so this is this is from the NIV They, being the disciples of Jesus, uh, sailed to the region of the Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from town. For a long time this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of the man. Many times it had seized him, and though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and had been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, What is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons... Had gone into him, and they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order them into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. The demons begged Jesus to let him go, uh, to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs, and the herd rushed down a steep bank into the lake and was drowned when those tending the pigs saw what had happened they ran off and reported this in town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had been what had happened when they came to jesus they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at jesus feet dressed and in his right mind and they were afraid Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all of the people of the region of the Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man from whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus, but Jesus sent him away saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. So there's a lot of very curious things happening here. We've got a demon-possessed man, and for those of us who maybe have not been overtly engaged in in that kind of spiritual warfare, this already has a a bit of a uh, a kind of tone to the story that, that we're a little bit uncomfortable with. Um, and then it, you've, you've got this idea of the, the demons and Jesus having a conversation, and we're asking, what's up with that? Um, we're left asking uh, certain questions about these pigs. Why are pigs in the story? And the truth is, uh, one of the things that you realize, the more and more you study scripture, the more you realize every single word, every, every phrase, every way that, that certain things are put was very intentional very very on purpose and so we could we could get bogged down with all of the questions we could we could be looking at so many different things in this passage um, but there's there's a few things that I want to focus on because at least for me I'm going why are these why are these demons asking to be put into pigs and then why do these pigs run over a ledge they, like that, that to me is some obvious questions and so we're gonna fixate on that but um, you know, if you're visiting church today, you picked a great Sunday. This is demon pick Sunday. We're having a barbecue after. Um, so, uh, first things first things. We've got to we've got to lay a little groundwork. Okay, there, there's a few things that we need to address before we actually jump into the story and begin to at least ask some questions that will help us answer uh, some of these things and, and ask. know what does this mean for us Um, first we need to set the stage a little okay because like I said scripture is really important the way things are worded the way things are organized um, it is all very important and it's all doing something on purpose okay so one of the things that that you learn in Bible college is that when when you're trying to understand a particular passage it's always really important to read uh, before and after, and, and, and look at the context of what is going on and what is happening before this particular scene is really important and it helps set the stage a little. And so, um, first things first, we need to realize what, where Garrison is. Okay, Garrison is across the lake from Galilee. This is a place that uh, would have been known as Gentile territory, and uh, if you don't know what that means, it's just uh, a bunch of people who were not Jewish followers of uh, the Torah or uh, the Old Testament. they were they were not uh, believers in God. So this was Gentile territory. This was territory that had been unclaimed for uh, God. And so uh, what we are what we are seeing here is we are seeing Jesus is heading into this Gentile area. And in Luke's gospel, more than any other gospel, we see Jesus interacting with Gentiles. We see Jesus interacting with people who were normally not included in the people of God. And this is really important because Luke also wrote a second book. Do we know? Acts. The book of Acts. Luke also wrote the book of Acts. And, and these two books were actually meant to be kind of consumed together. And, and they tell a story of being on mission. And this idea that God is on mission, God is on the move, the kingdom of God is spreading. That is a a core and central message to what Luke is trying to get across. So we see Jesus heading into unclaimed territory. We see Jesus heading into a Gentile community. Secondly, we need to remember the story that, that happened on the way to Garrison. Okay? So, uh, what had happened right before this story is something that a lot of people are very familiar with. It's a story of Jesus calming the sea, or Jesus calming the storm, okay? And so, uh, what what we what, what we encounter here is, uh, I'll give you a, a real brief story. They're trying to cross the Sea of Galilee. It's actually a lake. They just call it a sea because it's a pretty big lake. And... Um, and and so they're crossing the Sea of Galilee and this storm comes over them and uh, the disciples, uh, they're getting really worried and they come to Jesus and they say don't you love us? there's this storm going on and Jesus is asleep and they say don't you love us? and uh, so he wakes up and he says chill and like the storm just stops and he goes I I assume he goes back to sleep Um, and everybody is amazed Everybody is actually kind of freaked out. Now, the interesting thing about this story is, again, we have to keep it all in context. This story was meant to evoke in us a remembrance of another story. Does anybody know that one? It's the story of Jonah. So we were meant to remember the story of Jonah as we encounter this one. Because there are similarities and differences between the story of Jonah, the story of Jesus calming the sea. So we're going to briefly talk about those real quick. And I am aware that I've got a lot of stuff to cover. And I'm a bald man. And the sun is hot. So I'm going to do my best to do it quickly. But I really think that this is all important. Um, and so if I get a sunburn, then that's okay. Uh, that's my sacrifice for you guys. Um, so, so, Jonah... Jonah is a prophet who is called to a Gentile community called Nineveh. Jesus is a prophet who is called to a Gentile community named garrison Jonah tries to run away by sea. Jesus runs towards by sea. Okay? So we're meant to kind of see that. And then all of a sudden the, the big similarity here is that both prophets are asleep on the boat. And... What's really ironic here, and you, you don't think about it, but, like, Jesus' disciples are fishermen. Like, the experts are coming to the prophet, and they're going, what do we do? How do we, what, what do we do with rough sea? That would be like if I fell asleep on an airplane, and they were experiencing some, like, crazy turbulence, and I wake up to the captain saying, like, do something! You're a pastor, Okay? Like, it, it's a very, it's a bit of an odd situation. Okay, and, and and so you've got these prophets asleep on the boat, rough seas. Okay, and then the stories diverge again. Jonah knows that he is powerless to do anything about it. He actually he can't do anything about it, but he figures if he submits to God, if he jumps over the boat, that the seas might actually calm, that God might do something about it. And he jumps over the boat, and sure enough, the seas calm immediately. Now, Jesus, Jesus just says, Simmer now. And the seas are calm. So you can imagine, as the disciples are thinking about this story, thinking about other prophets that they had known, other stories that were similar to the one that they were encountering in that moment, how perplexing that must have been. And what Luke says in Luke 8.25 is, in fear and amazement, they ask one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. And see, this is a this is a, a, a trick that, that, that a lot of um, a lot of the writers of scripture do is they ask these rhetorical questions. They ask these questions that never get answered. Nobody answers the question, who is this? Because you and I were meant to put ourselves in the story and we're meant to ask the same question. And we have a little bit more context. We have a little bit more time. We have been studying this a little bit longer. And one commentator puts it this way. He says, the question is not answered, but the answer is implicit for the reader who knows his Old Testament. What God did then, Jesus does now. What God did then... When God calmed the storm in Jonah's story, Jesus is now the one doing it here. And this evokes fear. Because all of a sudden, these these disciples are going like, we don't know how to control this guy, and he clearly has immense power. And this is something that, that we are meant to feel as well. And so this is the scene... This is a scene as they begin to step foot into this area of the garrisons. And immediately Jesus is met with resistance. So we've seen this great display of power. This display of power that essentially says Jesus is God. Okay? And then he steps foot on this unclaimed territory and immediately is met with resistance. We're told the demon-possessed man runs up to Jesus. And he's shouting... And I think we get so excited and so, like, like we, we, we kind of focus in on demon-possessed man and we forget the next part, which is just, like, can we think about how outrageous this is? What's the next part? He's naked. He's naked. And he's running up to Jesus. And he's yelling and shouting and making a scene. Can you imagine the disciples? They're like... What have we signed up for? This guy can calm the seas and now you've got naked crazy people coming to him and yelling and shouting and begging. Essentially, what they're doing is they're begging Jesus not to torture them. And, And some commentators like to point out at this time, it's interesting that the demons who address him as Jesus, Son of God, the Most High, the demons in this story actually know who he is. They're the ones who identify him. And, and so we've got this interesting moment here where they realize their place and they actually they come to Jesus' feet and they beg him not to torture them. And then we're told that Jesus uh, he, he exercises these demons, he casts them out of this person that they've They've been torturing, and then we get to this curious part where they go, "Boy, well, like, can you send us into the pigs? How, how does that sound?" And and, and ultimately, um, I think there are a couple of reasons why they they might be doing this, and I don't think that this is a situation where we're dealing with a. One or the other or the other. We could be dealing with, it could be one and the other and the other and the other. See, intentionally Luke doesn't unpack for us. He doesn't say, and the demons ask to go into the pigs because the pigs, blah, 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 blah. He doesn't explain it for us because he wants us to wrestle with it. He wants us to, to actually read it, consume it, and get together in communities like this and say, what does this mean? And then, what does that then mean for you and I, as followers of Jesus? So we're going we're gonna to give three possibilities here. I don't think there's any reason why it can't be all three. And I'm going to give us three questions that we should ask ourselves in light of these possibilities. So number one, um, number one, the demons wish to get as far away from Jesus as possible. See, the Jesus, the, these demons, they recognize Jesus' power and authority, and they want nothing to do with it. They want to get as far away as possible. And you can actually see this in the way that they, they, they say something very curious. They, they beg, they say, please don't send us to the abyss. Which, to a lot of us, we hear the abyss, and we think, hell, we think, farthest place you can go from Jesus... But the demons, they recognize that they can't even go to the abyss and get away from Jesus. Because here's, here's what Paul says in Philippians 2, 9-10. to It says, therefore God exalted him, being Jesus, to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. Every knee Should bow. They know that even going to the abyss, which we don't, you know, there's lots of different, this could be some kind of land of the dead, this could be some kind of, uh, you know, Jewish uh, belief system that, that doesn't really entirely encompass everything that we believe, but what we know is that for a lot of people this would have been the furthest place you can go, and they're still saying it's not far enough. Because they recognize that Jesus' authority cannot actually be resisted. They recognize something that his disciples do not yet recognize. And this seems this seems crazy to a lot of us. We're like, why would why would we want to get away from the love of Jesus? Why would we want to escape um, Jesus' character? And I think a lot of us, we, we, we kind of get in our heads, we go like, well, these are demons, right? They're just, they're bad to the bones. Well, they probably don't have bones, but they're, they're just, they're evil to the core, enemies of God. Surely I could not be like a demon. I could not be an enemy of God. I could not have any of those kinds of attitudes. I could not be trying to escape Jesus. And Luke, Luke is smart Luke has already thought of that Okay, So Luke begins to tell us The reaction of the villagers Okay So we get to the villagers They find out about this whole saga with the, with the pigs They find out that their pigs are gone And what do they do? They drive Jesus out of there First thing Jesus did in their community Was heal a man who's been tortured his entire life And then they drive him out of there Why? Because of the pigs because of the pigs. That was their economy. That was wages lost. Oh, following Jesus might actually affect my bank account. Jesus' kingdom might cost me something. Maybe I do want to get away. Maybe Jesus could go somewhere else. Maybe there's there's another place for Jesus, but not really in my community. Because, you know what? The reality is, right? They had this guy locked up. They've been managing things. They said, like, oh, we've, we've been kind of managing. We've been getting along. And they would kind of rather go back to that than to have Jesus' new reality, Jesus' kingdom, enter their community, because it might actually cost them something. It might be too much of a change. So Luke brings in these villagers to say, like, we're, we're not so different. Sometimes we are trying to escape Jesus' rule and reign. In our lives, in our communities. And so the question that I think we need to ask ourselves with this kind of hypothesis is, we need to ask, if Jesus interrupts our comfort or, in order to see his kingdom, it costs us something, will we follow? Or, will we push him away? This is what we need to ask ourselves. It's going to cost you something. And think about it, think Think I think part of the reason we, we're talking about pigs here is because it was very unexpected to these people. Very unexpected that that was going to be the cost, of them. right? Number two, uh, I, this is this is one of the simpler explanations, but I think it's important. Uh, some commentators would say that that part of the reason the demons decided to jump into pigs is that that this illustrates. the the nature in which uh, a demon can actually take some kind of spiritual authority over a being. Is that we're dealing with pigs here, we're dealing with swine. And so what Luke is actually trying to do is equate uh, the pig-like behavior in this person. The, The demon possession, demon spiritual authority happens when we behave like swine. When we become like animals. When we just live off of instinct and desire. When that's all that drives us. And so, that is is kind of the picture here, is that it shows where a demon has spiritual authority. And it's when, when we're dealing with animals or when we're dealing with people who are living like animals. And so the question that we need to ask ourselves here is, are there ways that I am currently living more like an animal than as an image-bearing child of God? Am I truly seeking God's wisdom and discernment for my life? Or am I just going off of desire and intuition and just saying, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm going to do what makes me feel good. Luke is trying to tell us that we, we are in danger of being spiritually manipulated in these situations. That we are in danger of actually losing control of ourselves. And number three. Um, and, and to be sure, there are definitely other perspectives and there are more things to explore. And as I understand, you guys are going to break out into your uh, your life groups throughout the week and you're going, to be, you're going to be discussing this stuff together. And so by all means, if you, if you think of another reason that this might, I didn't include everything that I came across, I included the things that I felt had strong application and a, a strong reasoning behind them, but there are plenty more out there. So number three. The demons thought that it would secure a victory over Jesus in this region. See, they, they they knew that if they inhabited these pigs, ran them over the cliff, the villagers would get angry and they would push Jesus out and they would go, aha, victory. We own this region. Get out of here, Jesus. That that is is potentially one of the thoughts. That they're having, they're they're playing a chess game with Jesus, and they're they're trying to plan ahead, and they're trying to say, okay, if we affect this community's economy, they are going to drive Jesus out, and he will not have an opportunity to win over this community. See, this is this is this is where like we get uncomfortable when we talk about the powers of darkness, but truly. This is what's happening on the cross. The powers of darkness think that they have victory over Jesus. The plan is just just kill him. Just get rid of him. And he can't win. He can't bring about resurrected life. And that's where most of us are going, yeah, but Jesus is playing 4D chess. Jesus... Jesus is playing the long game. Jesus has a much better understanding of what's going on here than any of us do. And this is where Jesus is so incredible in the way that he invites us to be a part of what he is doing. He doesn't just say, ah, stand aside, I'll take care of this. Look at at the scene on the boat. He doesn't jump up at the first sight of danger and go, I got it! Jesus is all about giving us opportunity to participate in what he is doing. That is the entirety of scripture. God wants you and I to participate in what he is doing. It's an invitation. I was recently teaching uh, a class on, on studying the Bible and I said that essentially the Bible is... A rescue mission and an invitation to join the rescue mission. It's about God rescuing His people and an invitation to become a rescued person. So Jesus is playing 4D chess, and I've, I just pictured this scene at the end, at the end of this story. I picture Jesus with like a little smirk on his face, because these demons, like, who knows? We don't. We don't know. Did they cease to exist at this point? Was that was that their undoing? Uh, like, there's there's a lot of indication to say that that might have been the end of these demons. They gave themselves to their cause, and they think that they've won. And Jesus, at the end of the story, he's got this little smirk. He's got this little smirk, and, and I, I believe it's somewhat similar. How many of you guys have? Uh, you're gonna be like, whoa, this is uh, How many of you guys have seen The Sixth Sense? Okay, it's a it's a twenty year old movie. I'm about to spoil it. Um, if you haven't seen it, uh, you probably have no intention of seeing it. It's twenty years old, or it's probably already been spoiled for you. Um, but essentially, this was like a movie that had like a, the biggest surprise ending, and, uh, and and everybody was shocked by this ending. And I'm going to try my best to summarize the whole thing really quickly. So Bruce Willis. He plays this psychologist, um, and he, he has a client uh, who uh, essentially comes to him and says, "I see dead people. I can see dead people all the time." And essentially, the whole movie is like the two of them working out what it is that that is going on with this child, um, and and ultimately he is he he's he's working with him and um and. and What he determines is, like, you can actually help these people. You can help these people on their way or whatever. And all of this stuff that's going on. And then all of a sudden, at the ending, we find out Bruce Willis has been dead the whole time. And he's one of the dead people that this kid sees. And he's been helping him this whole time. And if you watch any interview with the director, M. Night Shyamalan, um, if if you watch any interview with him, he gets this same kind of smirk that I'm picturing on his face and he's like we've been telling you the whole time we've been telling you the whole time that he's dead At the the opening scene is him getting shot and then he can't open doors he can't talk to anyone else but this boy there's been hints dropped the entire way and I just get this picture of Jesus as these villagers are pushing him out and, it, and, and there's, this, there's this kind of like cloud that says like, ha, we won. We're getting you out of here. And I just see this smirk on Jesus' face. And he says, I've been telling you the whole time, this is, this is, this is not how it's going to work. I've been telling you the whole time, since the beginning, since Genesis, God has always wanted to co-rule, co-create, and ultimately to co-redeem with people. He's always wanted us to be a part of his plan. And Jesus smirks as this man who's been healed comes up to him. And says, please let me go with you. Please let me come. And we we may be the first time we're reading, we're like, well, it seems kind of heartless. And he says, no, no, no you stay. I got my 12. You're, you're not a part of this group. And Jesus is smirking and he says, you're how we win this territory you are the one that's going to bring the good news to this community. Because here's how how Luke very intentionally words it. Okay? Jesus says, go and tell what God has done for you. Go and tell what God has done for you. What does the man do? Not a good listener, this guy. He went And he told people what Jesus did for him. And Luke's very intentional about this, because if we remember from before, what God did then, Jesus is doing now. This is where the good news begins to spread for these Gerasenes. This man understands that what God has been doing, what God has been at work doing, Jesus is now doing. This man begins the spread of the gospel there. And here is what Luke is inviting all of us to do. To ask the question, are we going to join him on his rescue mission? There are so many areas where the enemy thinks that he is winning. There are so many areas of places that need to be rescued. And Jesus is just smirking because that's, I mean, that's one of the questions we need to ask at Easter, right? Why the ascension? Why does he leave? Because he wants to put you and I on mission. Because you and I are called to tell the world what God has been doing, Jesus is doing now. That ultimately, Jesus is at work renewing all of creation. Bringing it all back to him. And sure, we can try and escape it. But ultimately, that's going to lead to our own undoing. This is the invitation of Luke. This is the invitation that I want to give you. I hope and I pray that these are some things that, that you guys can talk about as you unpack potentially a very strange story, but as I've been, been able to study this, I've found it to be extremely life-giving. And so I pray that these questions propel us to become more and more like Jesus that as we ask these questions of ourselves, as we explore what God is saying in his word, that you and I can be encouraged to go on mission, to find communities where the gospel either hasn't reached or hasn't uh, penetrated. That we would be people that Jesus gets to smirk and say, like, I've been playing 40 chess. I've been telling you all along. This is the plan.